Hey, welcome to Big Jim's Garage. I'm your host, Jim O'Brien. Everybody calls me Big Jim. Hanging out, man. So today, a little different. One of my favorite people in the world. And, and the greatest living race car driver? Yeah, I think so. Mario Andretti. When I'm doing a Zoom session with him, we're going to talk everything from Formula One to, to IndyCar and how come he never drove for Ferrari? He did some, but never F1. It's a great conversation. Of course it is. It has nothing to do with me. It's him. It's Mario Andretti in Big Jim's Garage. Hot things. Um, wonderful. Detroit is wonderful, and it's good to have racing back. And um, yeah, boy, tell me. Good timing with Fernando Alonso coming back. See, I, I have this all planned out, Mario. I know. Good, good, good. Good. Fresh news. How good of a driver is he? As as a fan, I mean, I appreciate him, but as a driver, how good is he? Uh, you look at his background, obviously, you know, uh, former world champion. And then uh, uh, when he decided to venture into uh, uh, other series, such as his first experience at Indianapolis uh, with Michael Steam, I think he was pretty darn impressive. Um, you know, it, it's something quite new, first time on an oval. And then, uh, of course, he, he pursued the, uh, you know, the Le Mans. Uh, program and they, it was the right time because you know Toyota was just uh, the car to beat for sure, and all he worried about is uh, is his own team. But uh, uh, nevertheless, you know he's a complete driver. Uh, he's very ambitious, as you can see. You know he was uh, looking to satisfy other parts of his career. You know rather than just his specialty, and uh, it's something I personally recognize with because I felt the same way. Uh, it's primarily, you know, he's a Formula One driver, but, uh, um, you know, he was, uh, he had more ambitions than that. And now the good news is, I think, for the sport in general and a lot of the fans is the fact that uh, he is, uh, you know, he's rejoining Formula One. Uh, and uh, with Renault, I think uh, uh, this this works very well for Renault, especially because uh, Fernando makes uh, – a lot of noise, good noise on uh, social media. Uh, you can see even in virtual racing, uh, you know, right. he is very much involved in that. And uh, and again, um, he's a good guy besides, but uh, very talented indeed. So when I look at him and I see him in the different disciplines of racing and I think about your career, what was it that was there, was there ever a point where you're like, I just want to do this or were you always – you always seem so open to anything with four wheels. You were ready to go. Well, here's the way I looked at it, Jim. I mean, uh, you always have to have a primarily uh, commitment to the season, which is basically your specialty. And mine was always uh, either IndyCar or Formula One. But uh, for me, uh, it was never enough as far as even the amount of races for the season. <laughs> You know, when I was running sprint cars and midgets, I was doing, you know, up to 30, 40, 50, 60 races a year. And then, uh, so whenever there was a weekend open, you know, even uh, when I was doing any cars, if I had an opportunity to do sports cars or something like that, I would do it and vice versa. Even, um, uh, or stock cars, you know, I didn't do a lot of stock cars, but I did some, uh, uh, actually I did more stock cars than a lot of people think because uh, uh, way back, like in the 60s, um, USAC had a, a stock car series, which was actually 
parallel to, to NASCAR, the same basic cars, rules-wise. And uh, I did some, uh, some racing there. Actually, one of the stars in that series was always, you know, was like uh, uh, Pernelli Jones, for instance, and so forth. And I drove some of the Holman and Moody cars in, uh, in some uh, uh, NASCAR races. I mean, uh, USAC uh, stock car races. Um, which actually was, uh, was, was fun to do uh, in so many ways because uh, uh, I ran some stock cars on dirt, even, you know, USAC stock cars on dirt. And, um, and so, I, again, I was able to pretty much branch out um, and experiencing it at all. Um, I love my sports prototype uh, activities, uh, NASC, I mean, uh, Can-Am, you know, whatever was running out there, you know, I just wanted to be part of it um, to fill the schedule. Sometimes even my wife would say, well, you know, we have a weekend off coming up. I said, well, not really. <laughs> said, did you have to book another race? Well, yeah, I think I did. So we're talking about the, the, the Formula One season get underway, and it was a really entertaining race, but it was weird. And, and I kept going back. The thing I couldn't comprehend, and maybe I'm missing this. When Hamilton hit um, Alvin, when, when, he, when, he, when he hit him in the side, he was in full lock on the inside. It was as far as he could turn it. However, I always assume a driver of Hamilton's caliber knows exactly where that car is going. So if he decides to come out a little bit, is that intentional or am I just reading too much into it? I... This is an area where I have some issues with, you know, as far as, um, you know, some of the... Um, uh, the officiating, uh, right. they, uh, they're treating sometimes, uh, and I, I might be criticized for this, but I'll say it. Sometimes they're treating Formula One like it's, uh, it's uh, you know, Skippy Barber series or something like that because uh, uh, some, sometimes you have to sort of force the issue a little bit. But right. if it's just pure racing, hard racing, and there's contact, you know what? That's part of it. That's what makes it exciting. And, um, and to be able to punish, put this, uh, you know, five-second penalties, you know, on these drivers, uh, uh, the one that sticks into me that I'll never, ever be able to, uh, to forgive uh, um, these, what do they call these uh, track officials? What they, uh, oh, the stewards. The stewards. The stewards, yes. To take the the Grand Prix of Canada away from, uh, from Sebastian Vettel last year yeah. was, a, oh, it was a fallacy. And, and uh, there's no way that, that that was warranted. I mean, he overshot, he overshot the, 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 the sort of the chicane, the right, left a uh, little bit, but um, uh, he did not put uh, uh, Lewis in danger. Lewis did not really complain. And then uh, to give him a five-second penalty for that, so sometimes uh, if it's really, really flagrant, of course, yes. Right. Dangerously flagrant. But if it's hard racing, I think you have to let it go, you know, because uh, there's not enough uh, overtaking, you know, to satisfy the fans in general anyway. So uh, don't put the cloud, the dark cloud over these drivers, you know, oh, should I try? Should I? Just go for it. And, um, but sometimes they, uh, they over-police uh, some of the driving and these are the you know the best in the world and uh, you know let them have at it and I, when you have new tires and I, and I heard Horner, Christian Horner say that 
the only way they could get around them was in corners. But new tires are new tires. I would assume you've got better entry speed as well, and you can drive in deeper into a corner. So that wasn't the only place he could have passed it. I know, I know. But uh, at the same time, as I say, um, it, you still don't don't keep these drivers from you know being aggressive. Is what I'm right. saying. That's what it's all about. That's the show. You know, if they have to be so absolutely correct, you know, it takes away. So uh, these guys, they take care of themselves, you know, obviously. And um, if there's some dispute, let them work it out, you know, uh, after the race or something like that or at the driver's meeting. Uh, but uh, like I said, unless it's really, really flagrant, the stewards should just, you know, just mind their own business. <laughs> Did you ever have, you always hear in NASCAR, you always say, let's go meet in a trailer somewhere and talk about it. Did you ever have a moment like that with a driver where we're just going to go talk about this, talk, I'm doing air quotes, after the race? Yeah, we, I had moments, yes. In fact, I had moments even with AJ one time. And as a matter of fact, it was a, it was a double, uh, you know, there was actually, there were uh, stock cars in Ducoin, Illinois. There were stock cars and, uh, and champ cars the next day, stock cars on Saturday. And AJ and I really got together. Like, you know, he tried to squeeze me. There was Don White was stuck on the inside guardrail, and, and he tried to squeeze me down, and I whacked him, you know, to, uh, in, you know, to the, the, he, he, and AJ went into the guardrail. So he and I just punched each other a little bit, you know, and then we basically destroyed our cars, and they were belonging to the same drive, the same team. <laughs> And uh, and then the next the next uh, day we were at the drivers meeting for the champ cars, and I'm looking at him and he's looking at me, and I said we better talk this out, you know. And we, we did, you know. We figure, okay, all right, you know, we had our dispute, but let's not mess around, you know, with the open wheel car and all that. And so, among drivers, you can work these things out if you have, uh, uh, you know, if you have an issue, you know. Uh, something that's not, you know, technically dangerous, you know, uh, we can work it out, you know. So, so again, sometimes these stewards, I think they, they overdo things a little bit. And, and that's my pet peeve, by the way. Is it? Yeah. Yes. I think for, mo for most fans it is too. We don't, we don't, it just is. like any sport, I don't want the referees to decide the game in any sport, especially Amen. in racing. Yeah. Amen. That's Amen. There. Um you know, it got lost in all this. I mean, Botas drove an amazing race, but Charles Leclerc, to do what he did as Ferrari was on the back foot all weekend, that's an amazing piece of driving that people, I don't, people understand. That was pretty impressive. And you've been talking about him for a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very true. Uh, actually, Charles, were, he was very happy with himself, too, because he, yeah. knew, uh, he knew how far he had to reach throughout the race uh, to keep it up there. And, um, and again, uh, he, he did everything right, and it paid off, obviously. Uh, I don't think he had a second-place car, quite honestly, that day. Yeah. But uh, he, he made it that way. And, uh, and there were was, was a lot of great things. Of course, you know, some technical issues. And, and then there was, uh, you know, with McLaren on podium, uh, that, that's a big shot for the – big, you know, a shot in the arm for the team, too, as far as uh, – the energy they need, uh, you know, at the start of the season, uh, there everybody's expecting them, you know, to just uh, have, you know, to be competitive now, to, to at least right. for podium, and they accomplished that. 
Um, there were a lot of things that uh, are unusual, you know, some uh, uh, mechanical failures, uh, a lot of it electrical failures and so forth, which unfortunately sideline, uh, you know, like Max Verstappen, for instance, yeah. uh, uh, who was a, definitely a player, you know, in the race. And as you say, I uh, uh, big kudos to, uh, to Botas because, I mean, he drove impeccably. I mean, not only put the car on pole, but man, I mean, he was 10 tenths to stay ahead of, uh, of uh, Lewis, you know, which Lewis had DRS, you know, there was a DRS in three, three places there in, uh, in Austria, and, um, and he was able to fend him off. Uh, that was a great job. He really deserved that win. Mentally, is it harder on – I know you want to be in front, obviously, but mentally, is it harder on the driver in front when you're being pushed by somebody because you know you've got to hit your marks, you have no air, there's no wiggle room? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, the, when the pressure is on, I mean, uh, you know, when you're following, uh, obviously, uh, you can judge yourself, um, breaking points, you can try to inch up on your – a competitor, you know, but you have a guideline, you have somebody in front of you, but right. when you're up there on your own, you don't want to overdo it. You know, you overdo it and obviously that you're going to be overtaken. So, <clears throat> and that's, to me, it shows really the quality of, uh, of of the driver when they're able to be hit their mark, make no mistake when they're under this extreme pressure. Um, and uh, says something, uh, says volumes about the talent of the, of the driver. I was, um, uh, we were talking, we were watching the NASCAR race when they had the accident in pit lane, which thank God that guy wasn't more seriously injured than Jack Van. But our producer here, younger guy, Ryan, uh, Mario, he had never seen George, Gordon John Cox's last pit stop at Indy <laughs> in 82 when he was doing, what, 190 miles an hour when he hit pit lane. <laughs> <laughs> That's not real. It looks cartoonish. I mean, you did it. How? What is it like when you're trying to pit going that fast coming in there and people are off to your left and it's not a wide pit lane anyway? No, I know. It's uh, Like I said, the, the speed limit is a good thing <laughs> in the pit lane because uh, obviously when it was open, um, I used to practice that during tire tests. You know, sometimes I, I would uh, just – come in flat out of turn four flat and just back off just that just as I hit the you know the the pit entry and then just wah, 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 you know just try to gather it all up and hopefully stop where you need to stop at your own pit but it was kind of um, it was crazy actually because uh, that was probably the most dangerous part of the track and uh, so the introduction of uh, the pit speed uh, was really a good thing believe me was it? Yeah, I can't. So he was doing 190, wasn't he? That was. Is that yeah, sound about yeah. right? All of it, absolutely. <laughs> who's who's coming over the wall first when you're coming in that fast? Yeah, I mean, if something's going to kill 40 mechanics, you know what I mean? So. <laughs> I always thought you love. If you're the right front end guy, you're screwed. Yeah, you're the guy. You go first. So. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, how far did you slide the car then? Because the rules, I assume, were differently then. You could come in through a, an extra box if it was in front of you, or you had to still kind of line it up and slide the car in. Well, I think, uh, yeah, you could just slide halfway into the next box and then still, you know, to get pushed back. But, uh, but again, uh, you didn't want to do that, obviously, uh, because, you know, everything you thought you gained by coming in so fast, you lose on the other side. So... It was a, everything calculated, uh, you know, 
sliding in there just right, which, uh, again, you know, most of the time there were mistakes made and, uh, and dangerous ones. So, again, <laughs> uh, that's one area that, uh, you know, that, that the rules really plays, uh, you know, positive, play a positive role. I was um, watching the IndyCar race, obviously, and um, it was interesting that, like, when you watch Formula One, and I remember we all complained about the halo when it first came out. It looked like a sandal and blah, blah, blah. We understood the safety purposes. And then the canopy for the IndyCars, same idea. But I realize now I actually like the F1 because I can't see the driver anymore in IndyCar. I don't see them in there. I, I, if you didn't tell me, it, it could be a drone driving around. I, I miss being able on some level to see – that helmet and know that that person's in there? Well, uh, you know, uh, it's probably not the, you know, the correct thing for me to say, but uh, because I'm not active, but I think uh, the halo would have been a better answer. Uh, I think they found out that, uh, you know, even at the road race, which is actually the first actual road race they had at, at, uh, at Indianapolis, uh, that um, the heat factor was really, really, uh, you know, an issue. And uh, some other places, I think it might be even worse. So um, I know they're trying really hard to ventilate, you know, the the cockpit ambient area there. But um, uh, I think uh, there are other issues rather than just just what you're saying, hiding the driver, so to speak. Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's... Um, uh, safety features are always good. I mean, sometimes right. uh, some safety features are safe for one thing, but they can create other issues. Um, I think the halo might have been a better all-around situation, but, you know, it is what it is. We'll see what happens. I was thinking about you too, Mario. Um, first of all, I got to order some wine. I, I, we were, we, I was browsing the winery. I haven't ordered any wine yet, so I got to do that. Um, what goes well with brisket? A red, a bean. What, what, what should I get? For, for Pinot Noir. Okay, go Pinot? Okay, all right. Yeah. Now, are you one of these, or are you like you're supposed to have red with red meat and white with fish, pork? Are you a, are you a separator, no, no. or you what you like? No, for sure. I mean, the variety, there are certain varietals that complement, you know, uh, different foods, obviously. Um, the one, uh, one good red varietal that, that that's pretty much uh, uh, goes with, uh, you know, with pasta and, um, you know, uh, even chicken and salmon is, uh, is Sangiovese. You know, it's, it's really, um, uh, it's very mellow. And, um, but then when you get to, uh, you know, if you want to have a nice fish fry, then uh, the chard is, is very good with that. Um, and, but again, you know, a lot of it is your palate, you know, between cabs also, you know, for, for red meat or Merlots. Um, it's whatever melts your butter, you know, that's what you got to go for. But your, and if people haven't seen the documentary, it was wonderful. We talked about it before, but your family had a winery at a vineyard before the war and everything happened. I don't know if I rash this. Was there any way to find any of the old vineyard at all to, to save any of it afterwards, like even some of the trees or roots or anything? You mean uh, the ones that family owned? Yeah, the family ones. Oh, that's, uh, you know, uh, I've, I've been uh, visiting that area, you know, over the years since, um, you know, since back in the 60s. I've been going back and forth, but uh, – uh, 
I haven't been, I have no idea who even owns that. It was at the beginning. It's, you know, the state that occupied uh, our land, which was Yugoslavia, they, they owned all that land. We lost everything, you know, under hardline communist. That's what we left. Uh, so, but there's no way of knowing what, what happened to all the rest of it. I never had, you know, any follow up. As a matter of fact, my dad never went back there until back in, uh, I think it was 1998, I think we went back. I took him back uh, for the first time, you know, in the area where we left. So um, we didn't have much time to really uh, travel around to show me exactly where the holdings were. So none of, all of that is lost forever. <clears throat> well, it's... It and I was thinking about you too, Mario, because uh, I've been reading more reports that they're talking about doing a movie about Enzo Ferrari, which is like, what, what have they been waiting on? Um, when was the first time you met Enzo? First time I met Enzo was in 1969. Uh, I, was, uh, I was doing the 1,000Ks uh, the in Monza. Uh, right. team teamed up with uh, Chris Amon. And, uh, and that's the first time that uh, I got to meet him face to face. And, um, and of course, uh, I raced there, uh, you know, I won in 70 uh, for them at Sebring. And then in 71, I won my very first Formula One race uh, for Ferrari. Then, then I visited the factory and, um, and actually offered me a, a job there, you know, the full-time Formula One, which I could not take because the commitments I had here, you know, with Firestone and so forth. Uh, uh, but, um, you know, uh, I always dealt with him directly, which was not a usual thing. Usually uh, he had, uh, you know, he had someone, a buffer in, be in between, like a Dr. Gotzi, who everybody knew, well, Francolini to, to deal with the drivers until the final situation. But uh, um, I, I consider those moments so precious, you know, that uh, uh, right to the very end, you know, I always had uh, contacts, even my very last, race for Ferrari was in 82 when I uh, substituted for uh, Didier Pironi, you know, it was, it was a terrible year for Ferrari, you know, by losing Gilles Villeneuve and then Didier Pironi uh, for the substituted for Monza. And uh, I always dealt with him, like I said, directly uh, by phone. And, um, and again, I just uh, consider that, you know, some of the highlights of my career, quite honestly, because of what uh, Enzo Ferrari really represented uh, for me, where I fell in love with uh, motor racing, you know, because of uh, Ferrari, basically, for what the, the, the role that they played in those formative years for me while I was still in Italy. And, and you know, my idol was uh, Alberto Ascari, who was uh, in the mid-50s current world champion and all of that. So... Because it goes way back, you know, to some things like that, like it, as uh, dreams that came true for me, quite honestly, that's really what it represents. He seems like everything that I've ever seen, and, and I, I go down rabbit holes with, with Enzo. I, I am, out of all the racing people that I've read about and, and been blessed to meet, obviously nowhere near you, Mario, but he's the one guy that I, everyone talks about with such reverence and the fact that he owned whatever room he came into. He was just the guy. You knew who Enzo was. There was no BS between it. It was he was. I would assume as direct as I've always heard. He, he it was amazing. I attended one of the um, 
press conferences that he would hold just prior to the season. I just happened to be there. And, um, and you know, press in Italy, pretty tough in right. so many ways. And, uh, but as soon as you walk in the room, everybody really quiet and respectful. And he says, uh, he would introduce him, you know, the, the, introduced the, 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 the team, you know, the, 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 all of what was going to go on for the following, for the coming season. And then they said, well, now the floor is yours. He said, shoot, but aim correctly. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew that you were offered a Ferrari ride in F1. How did that, that must have, I mean, obviously you're a man of your word, so you stuck to your, you know, with Firestone and, and here in the States, but didn't that tear you up at some level inside that you couldn't, that was your dream, wasn't it? Well, yes, it did. Like I said, the timing was just wrong for me. And, um, you know, there was, um, in, in those days, uh, quite honestly, uh, even financially, uh, you didn't do very well in Formula One. Uh, right. and, and things were really going well here for me. So I had to be thinking in those terms as far as, you know, the, the security of the family and everything else, the future. And, uh, and I figure, okay, it's it's going to come around. And uh, I almost joined Ferrari at the end of 77 again. And uh, that one somehow, you know, didn't happen. You know, there's a long story about it. It's like in some ways now it's cute, you know. But, uh, uh, but again, um, the beautiful thing is that um, in 71, I went, South Africa, and then I backed that off with uh, a couple of weeks later in the non-championship race in, um, in Ontario, California, for the Questro Grand Prix where they, they, you know, we ran two 100-mile heats because they had Formula 5000 competing there. You had Foyt, the answers actually, Mark Donahue, uh, and, uh, and the full Formula One uh, teams. And, and uh, I won both of the 100 milers, uh, you know, uh, and with uh, Jackie Stewart finished second, which was for, which was big for me, obviously. And after that, I was invited at the factory. And in fact, they, uh, he offered uh, to, to give me that race car that I won those two races with. And I said, nah, I said, uh, I want to look at the uh, at, at, at uh, your U.S. Uh, uh, assembly line you know and so uh, i looked at the, one of the uh, the daytona the daytona uh, in 72 you know the, the, there was a 72 model coming on i said that's the one i like you know so i got a i got a road car instead of a <laughs> race car <laughs> did you ever meet john surtees at all oh yes oh yes yes i'm just looking at a photo with john surtees on my wall there at uh uh, we were invited uh, at the Mercedes 100th anniversary in Stuttgart. Uh, and um, I'm looking at uh, uh, Phil Hill, John Surtees, and Fonjo and myself right there on the wall. But, you know, we talk about, like, we see the names Fonjo and Ascari, and we talk about Jackie Stewart and you and Formula One and, and Schumacher and Vettel and all the big names and Hamilton. But I'm, I'm just now starting to learn more about John Surtees and understand. Didn't he win, like, Formula One? And on two wheels as well in the same year. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, he was the double world champion. You know. Yeah, he was world champion in, uh, in bikes. You know, and like what it is MotoGP today. Unreal. And uh, 
Yeah, and then he moved over to um, Formula One and he won there. Yeah. Great guy. Great, great guy, actually. Very, and then he won, he won some sports car races. I think he won some Ken M races as well. Um, he was very good in sports car, you know, pretty much a complete driver, period. I mean, uh, I mean, not too many. The only one that uh, I know at that level that competed at that level is Mike Hillwood. You know that they did some uh, Formula One and then uh, and, and MotoGP as well. But uh, Asertis won the championship on both sides, which is amazing. Well, he left Le Mans that year, the first year that Ford won, right? Wasn't he? Because they changed the driver lineup. Yeah, right. Yeah, to walk away. <laughs> like, I'm not doing this. Um, that, that, that his kind of character. He just seemed like one of those people that you too. I, I saw a lot of similarities the more I read about him. The, the ability just to get behind anything and figure it out pretty quick and go. Amazing. Yeah, amazing talent. Yeah. Well, there's so much going on right now. What out of Is there something that we, NASCAR was, has been fun to watch? We miss the fans, obviously, but it's interesting to watch these the young drivers sticking their nose back up there. And IndyCar... You're seeing the young drivers kind of showing their – Scott Dixon was amazing, but I'm seeing these young guys stick their nose up there. And then Formula One, it, it, I don't remember a time when all three series, it almost feels like there's a changing of the guard coming pretty quick. You know what? Uh, you're so right. But all three series have something very special to offer and things to definitely look forward to, to because uh, you have some young talents here that actually uh, make a lot of noise. And uh, whether it's, uh, you know, Formula One, I mean, uh, let's look at uh, Charles, Charles Leclerc and, uh, and, and Max Verstappen. I mean, uh, no question, these are future world champions. Uh, and they're, they're going to be there at every race. So you look forward to that. And then in NASCAR, I mean, uh, I, I can't even begin to, to name all the young talents, you know, that they're in Cup. And right. then... And IndyCar, the same way. But then in IndyCar, also you have uh, uh, the, you know, uh, the, the, the old guard that's still young. They're very right. young. I mean, you look at, uh, well, you look at uh, Will Power, you know, and Scott Dixon. You know, they're, they're up there, at, you know, about to break uh, records, you know, a couple of mine, actually. And, uh, and, and still young to do so. And yet, they have, uh, you know, look at the Colton Herder, what he did. Like at the end of last year, what impressed me the most is that um, Laguna Seca, where he had two of the very best that uh, IndyCar has to offer on his tail the entire race. And he never put a wheel wrong and he won it. I mean, pure, pure speed. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and, and put the car on pole besides, you know, so... Again, uh, it's, it's going to be exciting, you know, as time goes on. And, uh, you know, I, I, as a fan, I look forward to every race uh, that, that's coming on, you know, with uh, so much anxiety, quite honestly, uh, because it's going to be entertaining, to say the least. And, um, and, uh, and we need more of it. We, we need it so bad. You, yeah. know, uh, you know, all of us have been just uh, hunkering down, you know, but uh, enough's enough. We've got to get to work. And I want to see George Russell behind the – and I love Williams. I root for him. But I want to see what he, he can do behind the, the, the wheel of a competitive car. Yeah, I think you got it. You got it right, yeah. And I think uh, probably if it wasn't – Fernando wasn't in the play, he might have got the ride for, um, you know, with Renault. Uh, 
the way I hear. But uh, nevertheless, he's a talent that uh, sooner, talent never usually, go, never goes wasted, ultimately. So he'll get his break. He, he, get, he will. So, um, um, and then that's another thing to look forward to, quite honestly. Family's good. Everybody's healthy. So with the coronavirus and all this, everyone's good. Yeah, we're all good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. What are you doing? Just sitting around? Uh, you can't. You don't strike me as the I, kind of guy who ever just sit around. No, no, I don't sit around. I have a lot of things going, and uh, we're zooming all over the world. But honestly, um, and uh, but the other thing is that um, I'm also because of the time that I have that I wouldn't otherwise, you know, started writing uh, my memoirs. Not something that probably would have never happened because it takes quite a bit of time, you know, and reflection and so forth. So I'm using some of the time to, to do that. How quickly I will do it, probably take another couple of years to finish. But uh, that's another thing that uh, I thought that I, uh, I would use the time, you know, to, to do that. Otherwise, it would have never happened. So what are you going to write about Detroit, the Detroit Grand Prix through downtown? Just we had a bunch of potholes and, and manhole covers, or was that a fun race for you? Oh, it's always great. I mean, I, I always love the, you know, the street races because that's a special challenge yeah. in every way. I mean, it's a, and, and the bumpier that it was, the better, because that's the area where you feel that somehow if you can deal with that, you have a chance to actually do a better job than somebody, at least in your own mind. Right. And um, I, I hate smooth tracks. I always did. Whether it's oval, road course, I like the bumps because I think the bumps it really brings out the best in you because that takes, you know, a little bit extra skill to be able to, 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 to negotiate. And um, I never had any problem except for the, you know, yeah, for the, the those covers to come loose or something that you didn't want to right. do that. Yeah. Um, but the, for the rest of it, I never complain about bumps. So like the Nürburgring, even with all the oscillations and the, and the seams and everything, that was never an issue for you? No. 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 The only thing there, that it was uh, the safety aspect. When I, I first drove the Nürburgring in 1969, they didn't even have any guardrails anywhere. You know, like if you went off, you hit some trees. And, uh, well, the mom was the same there for, for a while in the 60s. But uh, and that, that was the, the thing. But, you know... You didn't think about it at the time. You figured, well, I better not go off. You know? But uh, uh, but the safety aspect, you know, was a lot had a lot to be desired. Left a lot to yeah. be desired. You stay safe. You stay healthy, and and all the best. And we'll be watching racing together. And um, if I don't say it enough, thank you. Thank you for the time. And everybody loves it here in the Motor City and beyond. Uh, we get people to listen to these conversations all over the world. And you always make me think about something new, Mario. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Jim. Thanks for having me. All right. Be well. Take care. There you go. Mario Andretti. As always, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the time. At Mario Andretti on Twitter. Check out his winery. It's Mario Andretti. Can't wait for that book, by the way. Neat stuff. Neat stuff. All right. Wrap it up. Uh, Next week, obviously, we'll talk a lot about the Bronco. The unveiling of the Ford Bronco. I'll be here in Detroit and hopefully I'm going to get some actual FaceTime or wheel time or seat time with the Bronco for you guys next week. We'll check that out. They are all in against Jeep, man. This is going to be a very, very, very interesting debate when it, when it comes to this. Uh, curious to see how this goes. Um, I guess that's it. Man, it's always fun talking to Mario. 
Uh, you can subscribe, obviously, B-Pod Studios. Anywhere you can turn your podcast, you can do that. And um, thank you. Thanks for spending some time with us today, man. Mario Andretti. I, ah, such a great guy. All right. You follow me on Twitter at WCSX Gym. Thanks again. You guys be well.